this morning. It's never been a series where I look forward to preaching and not look forward to preaching at the same time. And this. I've taught through evil and suffering. I have experienced evil and suffering. It's December, December 7th, I believe. It's not the 7th and 9th. It's the 38th anniversary of tragedy in my family's life. When my father was killed on a rainy day, going to work, hit a tree, snapped his head. I've lived tragedy. I don't say that to say I have the answers. I have no answers other than I've been there. And I know this, that if we don't understand, if we don't have a biblical understanding of evil and suffering, we're going to miss it. And we may not like this. I don't like this. But I believe that we, we want this past 18 months, if it has taught us anything, we need to get deeper in our foundation of what Scripture says in moments like these. Because the, the issue is not if suffering will happen, but when suffering will happen. The only way to not have suffering or evil in this world is to not be a part of this world. Yet the prayer of Jesus was not in John 17. He didn't say, take them out of this world. He said, or take them in the world. Jesus himself said these words. As soon as I find them. I don't have them on here. Okay. He said these words in John. He says, in this world you will have trouble. It's a matter of when we experience it. And we are the people of God. Amen? If you know Jesus, you are a child of God. Amen? This is why Peter says, you must always have an answer for the hope. Because he said first before that, our present sufferings. He actually said light and momentary sufferings. And we want to throw our hands up and go, Peter, I don't even get out of your mind. Peter, of all people, was not out of his mind. Tradition teaches us that Peter himself was persecuted to the point where they crucified him, but he said, you got to do it upside down. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? He lived through some of the worst leaders around. The reality is that we will all suffer. And suffering isn't just on a global scale, but when it is, it is also on a personal scale. Pain and suffering always has a name. The question is, is, is it your name today or your neighbors? We remember this weekend of September 11th, 20 years. Boys, you weren't even thought of yet. Maybe you, probably. But you know. Okay, so you weren't even thought of yet. My year 18? 19. You were probably thought of. Jordan? You know, it's kind of good they weren't thinking of you for what, right? You tried to be You know, we remember. It was the time that we, we 
as Americans were faced again in a way they never wanted face to face with the issue of evil and suffering. Evil and suffering. And, and, and the reality is, is for so long, we as a country were protected. We were insulated. We didn't have to deal with these questions, but the big question that came out of that day is, how can there be evil and suffering and yet still a good God? It's the question that has been asked for history, for generations upon generations. It even goes back to the very early church. It really goes back into the Old Testament, as we will see this morning. But the question is, that every faith system must struggle with. Is there evil and suffering? And if so, how do you explain it? When we were on September 11, 2001, we were broadsided with this question. And here, 20 years later, we're broadsided with this question again and again. The number one reason people do not come to know Jesus is the issue of evil, suffering, pain, and how can you reconcile a good God with that? And I will tell you, as we go through this series, there are no easy nor are there simple answers. Because in your moment of pain, you don't want an easy answer, really. You do, but you don't. In your moment of pain, you don't want to know really all the deep down things. Because your pain is deep. But here is the beauty. There are some uh, ways of thought out there, as I was reminded of in my study this week on this topic. There are some that uh, the story goes, this uh, boy went to this religious leader. Not a Christian, we call him a Christian. It said, my, my dad is sick, will you pray for my dad? And the response was, your dad only thinks he is sick. So if you're just home home and tell your dad just not to think he is sick, and he will be okay. A week later, the, the gentleman found the boy and said, how is your dad? The boy responded, he thinks he is dead. We can chuckle, but friends, that is out there. Friends, sometimes in our simple and easy answers, we try to say the same thing. But here's the truth. Scripture never hides from the question of evil or God's goodness. Scripture is not caught off guard by evil and God's goodness. Every world religion must answer this question. Where does evil come from and how does God fit within that? As we go along in this series, we will come up with some maybe answers. My hope is not just to prepare for the win that happens to us, but for those of you who are in it right now, that you will find some comfort, not in simple answers or easy ones, but in true ones. So I want us to start, as I titled this message, A Beginning Prayer. A beginning prayer as we start this journey that none of us really want to be on, that I don't want to necessarily preach on, but I think we need to be prepared for. 
concerned with me than a small book of a packet or Hanukkah. You know, it's it, it's tucked in there. You may go, I don't know where it is. That's okay. Look at the table of contents. If you do this electronically, digitally, just, you know, that's the beauty of the tablet. You just click on it. All right? Whatever make it. If you're looking at a physical Bible, it's after Nahum and before Zephaniah. All right? Here's the words. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received, the best way of, of kind of translating this is the burden that Habakkuk received. This oracle, this prophecy, wasn't something that was necessarily light. And you and I know that if we are in pain, it is not always light. It is a burden. But he goes on to say, How long, O Lord, may I, must I call for help? But you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not say. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abound. Therefore, because of those things, the law has been paralyzed. Justice is never prevailing. The wicked, him in, they surround the righteous. So that justice is perverted. So that justice cannot take place. Can you relate? Can you relate to these words that were said before the exile of the nation of Israel? Before they went away. So we're looking at at least five, six, seven hundred years before the time of Christ. Which was it? 2,400 years or more? From our day and age, but does they not? Does these words not ring true for me? How long will you make me look at injustice? How long must I feel the pain? How long, oh Lord? And that is the prayer. How long, oh Lord? When we are in pain and suffering, the beginning part of that is really just a prayer this prayer. It's an honest prayer. This prayer is grounded in truth of the reality of looking around the world. How long, oh Lord? For Habakkuk, he sees all that is going on. The last great king, Josiah. We named our boy Josiah after that king. Josiah was fighting the battle of the Lord against the Egyptians to protect the people. He brought back a revival upon the nation. For those of us who remember, it sounds a lot like 20 years ago. But he is un unfortunately, he's killed in battle. And here, uh, a priest of God is going, how long now, O Lord? We had a way of hope, a way of life, yet now it is not there. It is grounded in the truth. What is the truth? This is not how it's supposed to be. Evil, suffering, pain. The truth is, is that's not the way it's supposed to be. But see, 
We can't just understand this truth and, and just go on. We must let this prayer be grounded in our pain. See, because there can be truth, but if you don't want to believe the truth, denial is a wonderful thing. You can deny lots of things. You don't have to believe truth. Doesn't make it not true. You don't have to believe it for it to exist. I meet many of individuals that will deny the pain. I know many Christians who will deny pain exists. Here's how I hear it. I don't mean to negate what some of you have said, but I have even said. Well, there are other people in worse shape than me. True. Doesn't mean your pain isn't bad. Means there's others that are in pain too. Well, God must have wanted them at home. I'm sorry. Don't tell me God must have wanted my father in heaven. It may be true, but I'm going to deny it. One. And two, it's not sitting in the pain. Don't. I'm not going to go there. we got to sit in the pain. In stop pet. Well, said this, mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. I would change that to say health, period, is a commitment to reality at all costs. We, as people of God, and Habakkuk, didn't sugarcoat it, didn't say, oh, well, how long? Things are a little bit bad. No. He sat in the pain and he said, there's violence all around. Yet that it seems like you're not saved. The courts are backed up time and time again. There is no justice. The wicked, in his case, Babylon and Egypt, they're giving us all in. We cannot undo pain. Sometimes we must sit in pain. Yet, this prayer is grounded in hope. How? Yes. How so? Because when we pray the prayer, how long, O oh Lord, we're realizing two things, whether we know it or not. And this is where, as we get prepared, for evil and suffering in our world. If we can remember this, when we start praying and we are reminded, we will act as what, from what we already know in times of crisis. When we start praying, how long will there be? We don't understand what is happening to us. I can't explain what is happening. But we start to realize the hope that one, something greater has come out of it. When we pray, how long, O Lord, we're realizing there is someone greater than my pain. And there is a healer of my pain. And we are grounding ourselves in the tradition of Scripture. Where many of saints, starting way before Habakkuk, but in with Habakkuk, how long, O Lord? You were to do a, a word study or a search of scripture of how long, O oh Lord, you will find many of Psalms dripping with this prayer. How long, O oh Lord? When you pray, you put yourself in scripture. And whenever we put ourselves in scripture, we have 
hope. And we start to see that. We see that this is not how the world is supposed to be. That's the beauty of the prayer that Habakkuk starts to pray. How long, Lord, he realizes something's not right. Interesting enough, the Lord's answer, verses 5 through 11, says, uh, Hello, Lord. Part of the answer to that is, I'm bringing up Babylon, it's worse than your current enemies. What? Do you ever want to shake your head and not go, What? Whoa, 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 that's not what I wanted to hear. It, it brings me to another scene, a scene that is in the future. So when we pray, how long, the Lord, we're not only reminding ourselves of the past goodness of God, we're not only reminding ourselves of the past of our faith, we remind ourselves of our future. When the saints around the table of God in Revelation 6, 10, 11, they call out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. What a great prayer. What a great prayer. These are the people that have been killed, the martyrs of the tribulation. I believe in a, a literal tribulation. That's my viewpoint of scripture. I believe there's hope in that. These are the ones who say, how long? And then we read this. Then each of them was given a white robe. And they were told to wait a little longer. That's not an easy answer, is it? Not a simple one either. Until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had them. How long, oh, oh. How long? But within that, there's a sense of that God is bringing things to justice. And we look at this and we say, how long, O Lord? And where Habakkuk is bringing people to and where the book of Revelation is looking back to is that there is a hope when evil, pain, suffering, terrorism, and all the like found itself met face to face. And that is in the glory of Christ. Where is the glory of Christ greatest on display? At the cross. Of Christ. This is why Paul in Romans would say this not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Whoa, I don't want to. But it was on the cross of Christ, there, where the greatest glory of God was displayed, and Christ didn't say, I just think this hurts. Christ didn't just pray, oh, this is nice. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am thirsty. I hurt. And he stood there in that pain. He stayed in that pain because he felt every single one of it so that when you and I pray, how long, O oh Lord, we can hear maybe the voice of the Lord say, been there, I'm right here with you. Here are my stars too. How long, O oh Lord? I don't have an answer. But 
But I know this. The place where evil had its heyday was also the place of the greatest hope and words that one day you and I will hear again. And we have to keep in mind, as hard as it will be in the midst of the pain, the words, it is finished. Three words in the English, one in the Greek, for every man as Jesus would spoke. Tellings. Something like that. One word. Finish. This is why Paul says, Our holy glory in our sufferings. Why? Because the glory of Christ cannot be dimmed by the pain, suffering, and evilness of this world. Because actually, it is the pain, evil, and suffering of our world that reflects the glory of Christ and the glory of God in ways that we cannot fully comprehend. So as the fact that he continues on in his wonderful dialogue with the Lord, that you and I get to read as the story of the Bacchus. He goes on and he reframes it again and again. And he hears these words right down and make it plain so that a hill may run with it. For the revelation awaits at work an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not be away. There's coming a day. There's coming a time. And our prayer will bring us into the presence of God. Where Habakkuk himself says, I stand in the presence of God and I worship. I'm trying to find it exactly. But I can't find it. Sorry. We read. A good reminder, I've heard of your fame, I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord. Repeat them in our day. And in our time, make them known. In the time of suffering and wrath, remember mercy. I heard in my heart, um, anybody who's ever experienced anxiety, you know that one. My lips flickered. The cane crept into my bones, my legs tripled, yet I wait patiently for the day. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God, my Savior. For the sovereign Lord is my strength, he makes my feet like the feet of deer, he enables me to tread on the heights. In your moment of suffering and pain, as we are experiencing, I will give you an easy answer. But I can give you trust. Oh, I got really. I started by saying this December will be 38 years. Obviously, I don't remember it vividly. I was maybe 18 months. Something like that. My sister was just over a year. Maybe I was, I don't know. Like it. My sister may not have been a year. Nine months, thanks. So two nine months, I'm 20. 
My brother was five. He remembers. We don't talk about this. For a full month. The only way I know this is that my mother somehow recounts it. And graciously, my aunt and uncle have given me letters that were written to them. That they passed on to the Pope. My mother recalls that in those moments, it wasn't easy answers she was given, but it was the presence of God's people there that for a whole month, someone was with our family. Enough so that a five-year-old boy looks at mom and says, Mama, are we going to be okay? Why? Because for the first time in weeks, it was just the four No one sat there and said, well, well, Jesus just loved the bread too much. Well, and what they did was sat in our pain and our misery of a family as a 2018 level. I don't I knew what was going on. Maybe he's had a way of knowing. The church was the church. And if that wasn't enough tragedy, I'm not trying to share some of my own tragedy as a woe is my family. But you know, roughly 30 some years prior to that, there was another family that experienced a tragedy when my grandfather driving a truck on the interstate of Alabama caught fire. And he was identified by the socks and the shoes. As my grandmother learned firsthand pain and suffering. Yes. What have I seen from my grandmother? Love, grace, and a hope that can only be found in Christ who will say, He is my strength, I will wait patiently. That's why it's no wonder that another anniversary that I feel fondly is about seven years ago. In my last days of my grandmother's life, when she, in a hospital bed, because she couldn't get up any longer, pronounced blessings on her great-grandkids. As she talked to Daniel, I don't remember the words, but I have that picture. And she pronounced God's goodness on that. And she pronounced a blessing on my life. In my final moments with her, she pronounced a blessing on my life. That woman shouldn't be pronouncing blessings. She loses a husband. She loses a son. She dies painfully. But yet she says with the prophet back with the prophets of Revelation, oh Lord, you are my hope, and in you I will glory in my sufferings. So I ask that you will pray the prayer of Scripture as we go through this time. How long, oh Lord?
tell you this day. Things are going to get better tomorrow. All I know is I can pray this tomorrow. All I know is it won't. Until, once again, the words of the cross ring true in a way that, oh, what a day that'll be. When once again, the final word, true, the final word says, it is finished. Oh Lord, how long until that day? I join with the saints of Revelation. I join with the prophets of old. I join with Adam and Eve in the garden going, oh when, oh Lord, will you make all things right? As I look to you for trust and in you alone for trust. And it is going to be there that you're going to point me to a place I don't want to go, really. And then it's going to be near that cross. The cross that is, that is the epitome of evilness. The epitome of pain and suffering. Because it is there you will say, but the glory is right there. Because it is there. And not only did I feel all that is wrong in the world, but it is there I gave the greatest hope of the world. It was there that I pronounced with finality and also prophetically, it is finished. And so it is near that cross we must come. That cross of pain and shame and scorn. So we can find hope. We Define life. So, I pray. With that in mind, how long will go? How long? And I want to hear from you in these moments. Whether I want to hear it or not, I commit myself this day to reality at all costs, to your truth. At all costs. To your truth over my truth. At all costs. Even if that means. I don't understand. And maybe it means I, I, I feel pain harder and deeper than I want to. I choose you. And I know you. And I believe you. Lord, for sake, even in my darkness. And I pray this in the name so long in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Will you sing